We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I'm Cheneo Gwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode eight hundred and twenty-four of the Pack a Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. And joining me for this Victory Monday edition are two very special guests. Uh, two world-renowned authors, one of which is Dusty Evely, who just finished his book, Goodnight Monsters, which you can find on Amazon. And the other is Perry Goldstein, who just finished this poem earlier this evening. Uh, it goes, and I'm not going to do this justice, I should have probably <laughs> it, but it goes five and one, and we're having fun. Jamal Williams with a huge run. Devontae Adams is hotter than the sun. With the Bucks, we may have come undone, but today's game against the Texans was a huge home run. Uh, I can't really follow that up with anything, except that I'm so excited to be joined by these two world-renowned authors. Dusty, let me start with you because I'm disgusted by Perry's poem. Uh, congratulations on your book, first of all, and welcome Thank to this you. Monday edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, thanks a bunch. Excited to be uh, be talking football. Always good to be talking with you, too, for sure. So excited about it. Well, before we jump into football and I make fun of Perry, uh, tell us a little bit about your new book and where we can find it because it is super kick-ass and I'm super excited about it. I already have an order in, uh, but I want you to be able to tell everyone where they can find it because that's super cool. Yeah, it's it's up on Amazon right now. Again, it's called Good Night Monsters. It's something. Um, I mean, it's something that you should be able to 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 know a little bit about, Andy. I it was one of those. I read um, I read the Biscuit books five thousand times, and I was like, I could write something like this. So I decided to try to write something like that. So it's just a uh, a little uh, a little rhyming Good Night storybook for kids. Uh, with adorable little monsters, the illustrator I worked with, all the notes I gave him were essentially, can you make this guy's face a little fatter? Like, just a little <laughs> fatter and rounder would be good. So, yeah, it's cool. Um, I started a couple years ago, and uh, honestly never thought I'd be see the light of day, and this past week it all kind of came together magically. So, excited to have it out in the world for sure. 
Oh, kudos and congratulations to you. And Perry, I will welcome you in as well. Congratulations on your epic poem uh, from Sunday night. And uh, welcome to this Victory Monday edition. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Dusty, congratulations. Thank I don't you. have children or any children in my life, but I'm going to order one anyway because I feel like I want that on hand, uh, you know, for when it blows up one day. Um, but yeah, thanks, Andy. You know, it's nothing compared to the ode to Zadarius Smith. I'll, I'll give Maggie <laughs> the win on the Twitter poems. But, you know, sometimes the words just flow out. Yeah, they really did in that regard, so <laughs> congratulations as well. Well, let's let's start breaking down this game because I think that's probably what people are here to listen to. But let's talk about this 35-20 to victory over the Houston Texans. I thought this was their most complete win of the season so far, but uh, Perry, let me start with you. What was kind of your tweet-length review of today's game and your biggest takeaways? Yeah, get right for sure in all phases of the game. Um, there wasn't really one particular area where I felt the pa- – Packers played poorly. Um, I thought they could have had a bigger game, like running the football, but at the end of the day, the offense rolled just fine, scored 35 points. So I felt like we saw a lot of things that, you know, I think I was a little concerned about coming out of um, even the first four weeks, especially on the defensive side. Um, But just a, like you said, complete game at all levels. Um, I think everyone needed this, and it's definitely showing that. Aaron Rodgers was right and that last week was more on the anomaly side uh, versus a trend that's going to keep going. Dusty, what about you? Yeah, about the same. I mean, it's one of those um, – I mean, that Bucks game was such a such a just horrendous beatdown. That's a – I hope this didn't, you know, expose some fatal flaw or – bring the team down or anything like that. And so the Texans, I mean, one in five, but their talent certainly on especially the offensive side of the ball, and and you need to kind of take care of business as one of those teams that the Packers certainly should have beat by a lot. You don't want to see that that week after beatdown hangover, or again, maybe there's you know maybe there's a fatal flaw in this team or something. So it's good seeing them come out and beat a team soundly that they should beat soundly. So that was a like Perry said, it was a good it was a good get right game. Uh, it kind of showed yeah last week was hopefully just kind of more of the blip, and this is kind of more who they are that the against kind of some lesser teams, um, some teams that they should beat. They beat. They do what they're supposed to do. It's just now it's kind of the the question for the past couple of years now has been can they get over the hump here and actually like beat some of the better teams? Um, which I mean, not that they didn't do last year, but uh, they I don't know they, they they beat the pants off the Texans and they should have. It's a it was a nice nice relaxing win. Perry, were you surprised, uh, Perry, at all that it, it was this easy this early with a twenty-one nothing lead at halftime? Especially for me, without with all the injuries that Green Bay had, um, I had tweeted before the game, and actually I think it was last night that I, I just wanted to get the hell out of Houston with a win, one way or the other, with all the injuries, and I thought this was not going to be one where you necessarily counted the style points, and whether it was three to nothing or fifty-two to fifty-one, I didn't really care. I just again wanted to get the hell out of Houston with a win, some way, somehow. I was very surprised that it was twenty-one nothing, and what was it? 35 to 13 with about three minutes left and they you know they never really challenged Green Bay at any point of this game I know this has been a disappointing Texans team but they put what 30 points in back-to-back weeks almost beat the Titans a week ago I for one was surprised that this was uh, not very close yeah I mean I I think it was surprising and yet not surprising like (laughs) That's really good analysis there. Um, I think it's one of those things where it, if it had been a shootout, right, I, I would not have been surprised with the way this defense has been playing and um, kind of their inability to get to Deshaun. And he did have some good runs and, and things like that. But they the Texans have a very good receiving core. So um, I was expecting it to be a lot higher to be completely shut out at home in their first half. You know, Rogers throwing three touchdowns just – kind of really coming out and punching them in the mouth is, of course, what you would want and hope them to do. Um, But my expectations, unfortunately, were a little bit lower than that. So, yeah, it was a surprising thing to to see, but obviously I I enjoyed it very much. (laughs) Me too. Dusty, what about you, buddy? Yeah, yeah, no, the same. I mean, I kind of I expect this to be a shootout somewhat, uh, but like you said, with the the injuries on the offensive side, you know, Adams didn't look 100% the previous week. Like he was still kind of his, his cuts weren't quite there, and now without Jones and missing some of those guys and the, and the defensive side, he kind of like if this turns into a shootout, does do the Packers have the horses to do it? And then the um, <laughs> apparently someone replaced Mike Pettin, uh during the week, and and the defense just came out firing. So that was a uh, it was good to see. So yeah, I, I certainly expected a closer game. I kind of thought a higher scoring game. Uh, so yeah, twenty one nothing real quick. Um, I felt felt real nice about that. Again, we kind of kind of cruised to a victory, and 
when the injury report came out, uh, I certainly did not expect that to be the case. Yeah, it, it's funny you mentioned Mike Patton. The biggest striking difference for me a week ago between the Bucks and the Packers was the, the difference in the defensive intensity. I thought Tampa Bay flew to the football. They were playing fast, aggressive. They were attacking at all times. And Green Bay was basically the exact opposite. To me, the biggest difference between the Packers a week ago against Tampa and the Packers this week was kind of the same thing. I thought they came out much more physical, much more aggressive, much more attacking, just rallying to the football. A couple of those early drives, if you you saw how Green Bay was hitting and tackling. It looked like a totally different defense. And all week, I kind of got the feeling from some of the press conferences from the Packers that it felt like somebody pissed in their Cheerios all week long because they were not super happy and, uh, you know, just seemed a, a, an ounce curmudgeon maybe. maybe. Uh, and uh, the, it, it felt all week like they could not wait to punch somebody in the mouth. And they did that to the Texans early and often in this game. And I, I hope that that continues, especially for the Packers' defense. I know they gave up a few points late, but um, I, I kind of put that almost more on the offense for not milking away some of those possessions when they had the chance and when the Packers' off, or defense did get the offense the ball back. But uh, overall, I really like the intensity from the Packers. Yeah, for sure. And I know they actually came into the game, if I'm not mistaken, as uh, I think per Pro Football Focus, the second worst team in the league at missed tackles. And if they missed if they missed any tackles this past week, it wasn't very many. Like they, uh, like I said, rallying to the ball and a lot of really good, solid tackles this week as well, which is awesome. Yeah, and yeah, they also fun. they also attacked the football. I mean, we didn't have a an interception, but two two forced fumbles and one of them we recovered. So I agree, the aggression and the intensity were were definitely there. When I felt like they were a little, I don't know, weak or or not as. Um, like attacking mentality last weekend. All Henry Black does is force fumbles. It's his, it's really his forte in the NFL so far. Uh, let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball, though, and just kind of give our overall breakdown of the Packers' offense. I, I think we have to start with Devontae Adams, 13 catches, 196 yards, couple touchdowns, just kind of one of those vintage Devontae Adams days. Uh, it, this is exactly what Devontae is if you allow him to, to play one-on-one in man-to-man coverage. Now, this is what he is against some of the better corners in the league. Uh, no disrespect, but maybe some disrespect. But when Bradley Roby went out of this game, uh, and you're going to try to man up Devontae Adams one-on-one with Vernon Hargraves and Philip Gaines, uh, you are going to be in for a very long day. It was shocking to me to see Houston not really counter that. I thought Aaron Rodgers brought up a really interesting point after the game where he said sometimes te- teams can kind of get themselves into trouble by watching opponents from the previous week and trying to kind of copycat what they did. You could tell that Houston tried to copycat somewhat what Tampa Bay did, going press man-to-man and bringing some pressure. Well, if you don't have the corners to man up with you know players like Devontae Adams, especially one-on-one, well, Green Bay can feast upon that, and I thought they did that early and often. Uh, Perry, what was your thoughts on Devontae Adams today? Yeah, I completely agree. I think the amount of one-on-ones we saw was just the, was poor planning from the Texans. I, I don't understand that. I mean, anytime him or Aaron Rodgers or both of them rather, you know, see that that's a mismatch kind of no matter what, who you're playing against. I think we saw Aaron Rodgers kind of even try to go to Devontae up against a guy like Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean who are way better than who the Texans have. So it was just, um, yeah, it was just a slaughter. It was a clinic. Um, I think it was Zach Cruz posted a a picture of all of Devontae's routes from today, and it was just a painting uh, across the entire field. He, he did everything. Um, he carved them up. It was nice to see. It was also a little bit surprising because I, I feel like pretty much the rest of our receivers, save from a handful of catches, were pretty much a non-factor. So, you know, they – and I don't know if that's from the Texans' defense or just it was too easy to Devontae, but it felt like they, they could have – put someone else on him because no one else was doing anything else. So it it was confusing, but also ultimately worked out for us. Yeah, and and it's interesting that you bring that up because that was going to be another one of the topics that I wanted to discuss. Uh, And that's that Packers receivers not named Devontae Adams in total today, two catches, six yards total, not named Devontae Adams. They're both Malik Taylor, right? Both Malik Taylor. So, it's it's kind of this weird dynamic where yes the Packers put up 35 points and their receivers still had what 100 or 202 yards total offense there was not really any issue moving the football but this kind of consistent and constant theme of well does Green Bay have enough receivers to compete uh, if you if if another team is willing to take away Devontae Adams which obviously in this game Houston was not for some reason <laughs> but 
two catches for six yards for the rest of the receivers combined is still, it has to be at least somewhat of a red flag. Dusty, am I wrong in saying that? Or is, you know, is there something else to read into this? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit and Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. I don't think you're wrong. Um, I mean, I do think... I think what I've what I've liked, and I've talked about this quite a bit. What I've liked about this year that that Lafleur has done is is the game planning for each opponent and and to use the weapons you have. I mean, so you didn't have Aaron Jones this week. It's a heavy helping, and I'm guessing the first read on how this stuff was Adams. And if Adams is beating his man, you throw it to Adams, and Adam was beating his man, and there was no over the top, so you just you take it to Adams. So I mean, I do I do think, I mean, there's other guys open. I mean, you look at you know. Tanyan didn't have a big game, but Tanyan was open. Sternberger didn't have a huge game. He had his touchdown, which was nice, off of like a, a three-yard pass or whatever that was. But, he, I mean, it's not like anyone was ripping anyone up. But there were guys open. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think this team, and I really like the pieces they have. I think it's a whole lot of kind of complementary pieces. And some of those guys are kind of wanting to step up. I love the speed of MVS. Uh, you know, I like the promise of EQ, although he hasn't really done much when he's been out there. It is funny to me that that <laughs> the offense looks kind of totally different without Tyler Irvin. Like, I, who thought Tyler Irvin was going to be the cog in this machine? But yeah, I mean, that's it's. I don't know that it's a problem. Like you said, they're, they're scoring points, but I do think against better defenses, as we saw against Tampa Bay, and as we're going to see coming up against some other, like Indianapolis, is a very good defense this year. Uh, <laughs> if you can take away your number one, what else can you beat us with? And right now, I think that's tight ends. But even there's some inconsistency there. I think there's, I think there certainly are some red flags if Devontae Adams gets injured, which he is prone to doing, or or is being bracketed or doubled or triple covered every single time. Who else can beat you? I mean, someone someone does need to step up in this offense, like from the wide receiver position. Uh, which I don't know. I I kind of hate to say, you know, in a game where they they kill the other team, but it does seem like it's going to cause problems down the road. And yeah, I think it's, it's a great point that you bring up that Tyler Irvin was out in this game, and obviously so was Alan Lazard. And it, it's, it's noteworthy that those are probably your your number two or your number two receiver in Lazard and kind of your slot gadget guy in Tyler Irvin. It's not like they're playing with a full deck against the Texans. Not to mention Aaron Jones, who brings a lot out of the backfield as well, and they'll line up at wide receiver from time to time. But uh, Perry, even with that being said, even with Lazard and Irvin and Jones coming back at some point. The trade deadline's obviously coming up. Today's going to be obviously about you know, talking about the Packers beating the Texans and relatively easily, but do you feel like at some point they have to still address this wide receiver position if they want to be uh, you know, one of the top contenders for the Super Bowl this year, or are you comfortable with what they have right now? I've been going back and forth with this because it – the answer is kind of it depends, right? Like if we get Lazard back, which I think we're going to, I, I feel a lot better about this wide receiver group. I, I think we really miss him and what he brings. Um, I, I, MVS is too inconsistent at this point for me to rely on him. I think you hit the nail on the head there with Aaron Jones, definitely catches past out of the backfield. But again, he is a running back. I just, from a practicality standpoint, can't really see the Packers doing anything, uh, the offense is running, it's running well, um, and we're in kind of a cap spot where I just can't see us trading for a wide receiver unless it was cheap enough and made sense, and then I don't know who would bring enough juice at that cheap price that we need that would actually make any kind of an impact. Um, it would have to be something very, I don't know, specific. Um, I kind of jokingly tweeted that 
I would actually be the most happy if they brought Randall Cobb back. And that's not because I miss him and, and want to see him back in his original uniform. I think he actually fits this offense so well. And we saw he can still play today. He had a huge game today. I think he had, um, you know, the most catches and yards for any of those receivers on that team. So, um, but I, I think, you know, being realistic and also understanding the Packers' sort of history in the trade deadline, I, I doubt anyone's going to come in. Yeah, Keelan Cole's kind of a player that I've had my eye on from the Jaguars just based on salary cap and, and what he's done. He had a blistering one catch for 12 yards today for Jacksonville. So uh, to your point, Perry, I'm just not sure from a, a salary cap standpoint of what they'd be able to add if they could add anything juicy enough that would really uh, you know be worth the, the trouble. But it will be interesting to see kind of how they feel. And again, I, I just think that two catches for six yards for players not named Devontae Adams, at least raised a couple more question marks. But uh, let's go over to Jamal Williams, who I thought was really fantastic in this game, not only as a, a rusher, 19 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown, also as a receiver, four catches for 37 yards, and then his usual solid self as a pass protector as well. Dusty, what was your thoughts on Jamal Williams' performance with Aaron Jones out today? Yeah, he was good. I mean, they did, he did everything they asked him to do. Uh, you know, he, he ran the ball well. I think yeah, I think the numbers are a little better if they ran, uh, I think, two to two or three times on second long in the first half that the Texans just kind of saw it coming and he didn't pick up much. So I think if you take some of those out and, and mix in some of the more stuff that, that's a little more unpredictable, I think those numbers shake out a little better. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he, he was good. I, I like – I'm a big Jamal Williams fan. I really like him. Um, I, I mean, I, he's clearly – this is not going to shock anybody. He's not as dynamic as Aaron Jones. And so right. when he's out there, he's he's doing what they asked him to do, and he's – I mean, he's grown into that role. He is he is good at it. He will, he's got good hands. Uh, he runs hard. He, there's no dancing. There's just – there's not – you you lose uh, some of the dynamic ability of Aaron Jones when, when Jamal Williams is out there. So I hate to say that uh, day when, when Williams – did a very, very good job. Did Again, everything I was asked of him, he was the primary back. I really thought we were going to see more A.J. Dillon today, and we didn't really. I mean, he was out there some. They had him running some routes. He carried the ball. I think he had a 2.2-yard uh, <laughs> per carry average or something like that. Uh, but it was mainly they, they gave it to Williams, and Williams did what he was supposed to do. So, he's, I mean, he did a great job. I think he did really, really good. I just I think this is uh, I think that's his feeling which there's, there's absolutely no issue with that. But if there is, I mean, talk about trade candidates. Um, <laughs> Perry just mentioned Cobb on the other team. One of mine, if Jones is going to miss any amount of time, you have no idea how calf injuries are, is uh, is Duke Johnson, who I think gives you a little more of that versatility that Aaron Jones offers there. So I think uh, I think Jamal Williams is very good. Just, uh, you know, just, just limited going forward. It just depends on, on how bad that injury to Jones is. Perry, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think he had a really solid day. Um, you know, when you lose your your starting running back, especially a guy like Aaron Jones who adds so much, you know that your offense is going to look differently. But Jamal carried the ball well. He's He runs so hard and he fights for every single yard and you know that he's out there and you just watch him. You're like, he's such a team player. Um, and, and I love the energy that he brings too. And I'm glad he got his day. I find, I'm glad he finally got a touchdown at the end of the game. Um, I, I I feel like we're – I hate to say this, but I think that he's probably not going to be a Green Bay Packer next season just because I think he plays well enough that another team is going to see his value and probably outpay what the Packers will. But I, I love seeing what he does and, and the energy um, that he brings. And, yeah, he, he did what he needed to. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I – Dusty, I've been kind of on the same page as you for a long time where – I've kind of felt like there is this ceiling with Jamal Williams, and I've never found him to be this really explosive or dynamic running back. I thought he always pass protected well. He was going to kind of get what was blocked for you. Didn't really ever have the ability to take it to the house. He never really was one to generate many explosive plays. Was never really a great receiver out of the backfield, but I really have to give him a ton of credit. I really feel like he's, you know, remade himself in the offseason and, and during training camp and, uh, you know, overall the, so far this season. I, I've been so impressed. I think he does have a little bit of extra juice than he had in, in previous seasons. I don't know that, you know, his long of 13 today was necessarily indicative of anything that he did wrong. I, I don't necessarily know that there was an opportunity to, to really break a big one. I, I don't think there was much that was blocked for him in this game or that he could have really done differently. I loved his run against Tampa Bay last week where he was 25, 30 yards, somewhere in there, uh, where he exploded through the hole and was able to cut to the outside, run through an arm tackle. I, I've seen more out of Jamal Williams this year. 
And while I've kind of been, I don't know, not down or sour on Jamal Williams, I just always thought he had that ceiling. I do think he has become much more of a complete back this year. And while the numbers weren't exactly, you know, superstar-esque today, I, I thought he was really good in all three phases. Uh, again, uh, offense, or receiving, running, and uh, pass protection. And I just think, again, to what Perry said, his energy is infectious. You know, his run where his helmet pops off and he's just going nuts, <laughs> is dancing in the end zone. I just, um, I guess I just love what he brings to this team. And I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Perry. I think it's more likely than not that this is his last season. But uh, I, I've been really impressed with what he's been able to do to kind of remake his body, remake his game, and really become, to me, a, a more complete running back than what I've seen out of him in the past. Yeah, another thing that I really appreciated, too, is just that LaFleur didn't, like, give up on the run game. I, I think at the beginning, um, you know, it, it wasn't, like you said, Andy, that explosive. They didn't rip off huge runs. It was just sort of three yards, four yards, five yards, et cetera. Um, but he kept at it. And, and that was one thing that I, I feel like, you know, we got a little bit away from the game plan last week where we kept calling run plays that weren't working and then it, he kind of stopped. And I, I appreciated that even though it wasn't, you know, moving the chains necessarily like, you know, like the passing game was to Devontae, he just, he kept calling it all except for the second, uh, the second down and long run calls. I'll never understand those, but I, I appreciated that it was never, the run game was never given up on. No, I'm, I'm right there with both of you guys. So I, before we finish up the offense, I do want to touch base a little bit on the offensive line because when you don't have David Bakhtiari in the game, that's always going to raise some serious questions. And I don't think any of us really knew for sure, was it going to be Elton Jenkins? Was it going to be Rick Wagner? Um, was it going to be maybe a Billy Turner? I think that seemed like the least likely of the odds. But uh, lo and behold, it was Billy Turner making the start at left tackle. And while I just mentioned that you know maybe those those running lanes weren't as readily available to Jamal Williams in this game, they still had a solid game running the football, and I thought the pass protection was overall fantastic throughout the course of the game. And well, Houston's really beat up. They do still have Whitney Merciless and J.J. Watt, uh, who definitely have the ability to kind of wreck games at, from time to time. So uh, I thought they did a really nice job, especially Billy Turner, who has had his ups and downs with Green Bay, but throughout the course of his, his time in Green Bay now, he's shown that he can hold up at right guard, right tackle, and now left tackle if you need him to. Is he going to be the best guy of, of your five on the offensive line in any given Sunday? No. Uh, but I think we've seen enough Don Barclays circle through and, and those type of players where solid to average offensive linemen at any position are really difficult to find. And if you have a guy who can play legitimately almost any position, probably besides center, uh, along the offensive line to the extent that Billy Turner did today, that player has a lot of value. And I thought Billy Turner showed that today. Dusty, I'll start with you. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you and the way you started that out was is exactly what I was thinking. I mean, I think the the run game clearly wasn't where they wanted it to be, and I do think some of that is on on the offensive line. The lanes just weren't there, kind of getting collapsed a little bit more. But if, <laughs> but they still had a pretty good day running the ball, and like you said, a tremendous in pass protection. I was watching Billy Turner quite a bit, just seeing once <laughs> he's over at left tackle, like holy crap, how is this going to go? Because like like you, I'm I'm fine with Billy Turner. He's, he's looked better this year than he did last year. I think a little more comfortable. Yep. Um, and I, I thought he looked really good. I mean, I didn't see a whole lot of – I did not pay, you know, a 1,000% attention to him the entire time, but I didn't see a whole lot of he, – he's prone to – Billy Turner is prone to, on occasion, um, just kind of not watching but but reading the wrong rusher and then just end up not blocking anybody. So he'll just kind of stand there three yards out from a pressure looking behind him, wondering what happened. Uh, that will happen occasionally. Uh, I didn't see any of that today. Like, he, he held up pretty well overall. Like you said, Texans are a little beat up. But they still got some guys up front. So I, yeah, I thought I thought they looked good overall. There was one I'm I'm blanking exactly what play it was. Uh, that was Elton Jenkins. It's always one of my favorite plays. Elton Jenkins getting out front of either a screen or a run play and blocking a cornerback and just mauling the guy. Uh, those are always my favorites. Uh, so yeah, I mean they they held up well overall. I mean there were some a couple quick pressures I can think of, uh, but those are going to happen occasionally. But for the most part, Rodgers had the time he needed in the passing game and they had a decent game on the ground. So it's not. I mean, it's not the starting five you want out there every single week, clearly. Uh, you know, the Bucks would have eaten this alive. But for this week, uh, this week it worked. It was, this week it was, it was more than enough up front. 
Yeah, I know on the one play with Jenkins, there was the wide receiver screen to Devontae Adams where he got way out in front, and Adams was able to dance around and pick up the first down. Just yeah. a really athletic play to be able to get to that level and uh, not only get to the block but then secure it and allow Adams to, to get that first down. But, Perry, before we jump over to defense, any other final thoughts on either the offensive line or the offense? Yeah, I mean, I just I agree with Dusty, right? Like, it's, it's not the five you want out there. Obviously, you always want your – all pro left tackle. Um, and so when you lose someone like David Bakhtiari, it's definitely nerve wracking. Um, I definitely was nervous uh, seeing that Billy Turner was the one that was picked to be out there. But hey, no sacks, clean jersey from Aaron Rodgers, great passing game, uh, you know, decent run game today. Everything moved well. So, you know, they always say you're, you're going 1 0 against the opponent, and the five that he chose for this opponent, it did the job. So that's all that matters, I think. Well said. Not quite as well said as your poem, but uh, still very well said. <laughs> Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball, and I'd be remiss not to start out with Kamal Martin, who the Packers are now 1-0 all-time when Kamal Martin uh, is active. But, uh, no, I, I thought that, uh, the, you know, of all the bad news from Saturday and Friday where everyone and their mom was out injured for this game, and, uh, you know, they had to call up, you know, guys like Ben Braden and, uh, you know, Dexter Williams and Billy Wynn and everyone else for this game, the, the small piece of good news that was there is that Kamal Martin was activated from IR and ready to play. We weren't sure exactly what role he would have, especially with how well Chris Barnes has been playing. Uh, but lo and behold, Kamal Martin gets the start right alongside Chris Barnes to start the game, uh, ends up with six tackles and a tackle for a loss, had a couple nice thumps, uh, including one tackle for loss. I thought overall he looked good, but uh, more importantly, it was just really nice to see Kamal, Kamal Martin out there and, and making an impact on the game. Dusty, I'll start with you. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every day, head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, yeah, Kamal Martin was great. I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> I can't say that you know I, I saw a ton of him before because he's not played so far this year. But I know just based on uh, what's called the Andy Herman hype meter scale from uh, from preseason and, and or training camp and covering all those the practices and camp and stuff, it's not like he was one of the big standouts. So I was excited to see him out there. You know, the injury really sucked. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he looked he looked great. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch him super closely, but he certainly flashed. Like you say, he's got that kind of explosiveness to him, uh, and and kind of playing that inside position there where you kind of need somebody. He he looked he looked good. Uh, he looked really really good. I mean, the guy. I mean, <laughs> he's actually kind of the second guy I was going to talk about. The first guy was Raven Green was all over the place, man. Mm-hmm. I think he had like mm-hmm. two. Back to back plays where he where he kind of missed something somewhere in the second quarter that he didn't look great on, but everything else like just all over the place, just making tackles, cutting off lanes. Like he just he looked. I thought he looked just absolutely tremendous as well. So those those two guys those two guys got me a little hyped. Yeah, I, I rewatched the the game on on the cut up uh, on Game Pass after, and he stood out to me. I, I uh, clipped a, uh, two plays in a row from Raven Green. Uh, one play he. Uh, you know, basically gets right past the offensive lineman who's trying to reach him on the second level, explodes and makes it, uh, makes the tackle probably for like a two-yard gain on David Johnson. And the very next play, he's lined up in slot basically as a corner uh, and uh, goes one-on-one with Kenny Stills and almost comes down with the interception. Just very few players in the league that have the versatility to play linebacker and make physical tackles against David Johnson and then the next play line up in the slot against Kenny Stills on basically an out-and-up, stick with him and then almost pick off the pass. I thought he was fantastic in this game. Uh, uh, Perry, anything you wanted to go over on either Raven Green or Kamal Martin? Well, they were our top two tacklers today, <laughs> Martin with six <laughs> and Green with five. So um, they, you know, talk about aggressive tackling, like they, they were the ones that were in there. Um, I agree with you, Dusty. I think we need to coin that Andy Herman hype meter in some <laughs> way because I agree. I couldn't wait to see him out there. And I think we have a really, really exciting um, Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin duo, um, young young duo in inside at inside linebacker, which is something that the Packers haven't had in a very long time. It's like really kind of dynamic athletic inside linebackers. And I'm not crowning them yet. I'm just saying they look 
promising and exciting to have um, guys that you you know you can be out there and who can be out there and and make plays. Um, and I think we were talking about this pre-show a little bit, but it looked to me a little bit like in the in the second half, Kamal Martin was wearing the the green dot. So you know if we can also get someone in there who's got you know the football IQ to to help lead the defense in that way, um, the better. And, you know, I think the thing about the Andy Herman hype meter is that uh, even, even with the excitement of the Andy Herman hype meter, uh, you never quite know what you're going to get with players, even if they practice well mm-hmm. until you see them on mm-hmm. Sunday and the pads yeah. come on. And it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how, you know, they're able to pair kind of Barnes and Martin moving forward. Can any of them really, be- can either of them become a true three-down linebacker, stay on the field on passing downs, be the one that's consistently calling the plays? I, I think that's going to be the next question because I do think, both Martin and uh, Barnes have very high upside as rundown linebackers, and I thought they formed a, a formidable duo and, and kind of tag team in the middle of the defense. But it'll be interesting to see if either of those players can kind of step up and be that full three-down linebacker. I think it's also going to be interesting to see how they bring Christian Kirksey back when he's ready to play and kind of rotate through those linebackers. And, of course, with Raven Green as well, uh, playing as well as he did. Hopefully his injury is not too serious. We'll get to that more in just a moment as well. But uh, I think the other uh, big defensive topic, topic going into this week was really the lack of pressure from the Packers' defense, and that was totally different today. They had 11 pressures, according to ESPN, which was their highest on the season. I've been pretty harsh on Preston Smith. I think mostly deservedly so. I thought he played a fantastic game today. He didn't show up on the the stat sheet much, but I think Chris Barnes' sack was due to a pressure on Preston. He had the fourth down play, which was kind of an option from Deshaun Watson, where he stayed home and made the tackle in the backfield there. There were numerous plays where he was flashing in the backfield. I just thought this was a totally different Preston Smith this week. Perry, what did you think? Yeah, he had that key fourth down stop too, which uh, he just, I mean, sniffed out immediately. Um, yeah, it was good to see the pass rush back. Uh, we we sacked Deshaun, I think, three times. Um, I love, love a good uh, defensive back sack. So Adrian Amos had one of those. That was so fun to watch. Um, I don't know why I love those. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think Zadarius was on his way to having a big game, and then clearly he was a little bit – you know, off after uh, whatever ankle injury or lower leg injury he had. Um, So I hope that that's not something that's going to linger. But we really got home. And again, you know, this is not like an amazing offensive line. So it's one of those things where it's like, good, I'm glad that you were able to to apply pressure. I think with a different quarterback, we probably would have had more sacks on the stat sheet. Uh, Deshaun is just incredibly mobile and amazing at evading pressure, um, but it was nice to see them back with a little bit of a juice. I think there was some vengeance in there. <laughs> Dusty, what about you? Yeah, um, you know, you guys mentioned the, the, the fourth down play, which was amazing. I think, I mean, one of the big ones I thought was uh, the first third down play of the game, which was third and two, that Preston Smith, again, like you said, he's not showing up in the stat sheet, but he set the edge a, like, aggressive edge. Like, he pushed his man a solid three yards back, and then uh, Jackson was able to come in and kind of swoop up and, and take care of that. So, like you, Andy, I mean, I've been I've been also fairly harsh on Preston Smith, if privately, perhaps. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he, he played a great game, and uh, Perry kind of alluded to it as well. I mean, they don't – it's not the best offensive line. It's kind of one of those, like, they, they – again, they did what they were supposed to do here. Um it's not a great offensive line. You're supposed to be able to get pressure, and uh, they're able to get pressure. It 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 felt like uh, it felt like 2019 at times. So that was uh, it was good to see. But yeah, this is uh, and I mean it's, it's kind of one of those again. You don't know how to judge it because of the offensive line they're going up against. But if this is Preston Smith kind of rounding into form for the season after kind of a, a rough start, you know maybe showed up to camp a little overweight. If this is him rounding into form a little bit here, uh, just that that's that's huge for the rest of the season. No, I'm, I'm right there with you, and I'll, I'll take that too. If, if it took him a few games, uh, you know, to kind of get back uh, in, in football shape and, and to get back to this point and he can carry this on the rest of the season, uh, I'm totally fine with that. And I think that they can obviously survive uh, the, the one loss so far uh, where he was maybe struggling. And if this is more the Preston Smith we're going to see moving forward, uh, I'm certainly all for it. I think another big, you know, kind of takeaway from this game was Green Bay's uh, ability def- uh, defensively to kind of come over or overcome a little bit of adversity, I should say. And I thought, you know, obviously when they had the block punt, I think they were able to hold them to a field goal after that. And then uh, the, the onside kick, they immediately forced the fumble uh, after that play. And then even when they were down in the red zone early, it was, I think it was the 
um, you know, their their first play of the fourth quarter. And, uh, again, this was the Adrian Amos sack. It's third and three on the eight-yard line. It's, uh, what, like an eight, it's an 18-point game at the time. And the Texans go in and score a touchdown. They get momentum. They're only down by 10 if they convert the two-point conversion, 11 even if they go for one. And I feel like that's, you know, uh, a, a game that's very much in reach to start the fourth quarter. Again, they start off with a great play. It's only third and three from the eight, even an incompletion there, and they probably go, you know, go for it on fourth down. Uh, but Patton brought a blitz. This wasn't a, you know, three-man rush with everyone covering. This was a aggressive play call. Amos comes with a blitz off the edge and uh, gets the sack and forces them to kick a field goal. Cut the lead to 15, and it never got any closer than that for the rest of the game. I, I just thought they did a really great job in some of those red zone situations and overcoming adversity with the block punt and the onside kick. Uh, that I thought this again, it's just another uh, kudos to the Packers defense for what they were over to, able to overcome in certain situations today. Yeah, for sure. And they were um, <laughs> it's funny because Petten, what is is Ben? Don't break defense, right? Uh, I think coming into the game. They were allowing touchdowns on 72% of opponent drives into the red zone, which if you're bend, don't break, and then you're giving up touchdowns on 72% of opponent drives, that's that's breaking that's breaking pretty bad. So, yeah, seeing, seeing the aggressiveness, uh, they, and they had, I think, the, in the one after that, this was actually going to be, uh, uh, I'll probably talk about this a little later as well, but right after the, the Amos sack that forced the, the field goal there, the very next one was the block punt off of Scott and then uh, Vernon Scott that made that tackle on yeah. third and goal uh, from the nine as well. That forced another field goal. So, I mean, there was, there was an aggressiveness and, again, kind of they were not missing tackles the way they were before. So it was it was uh, just all around. I love seeing the aggressiveness when, when the field kind of compressed there. And as we finish up the defense, Perry, I'll go to you on this one. I thought this was the best the run defense has looked all season long. 22 carries for 41 yards for the running back. Deshaun Watson made the overall running stats look a little bit different because he scrambled on a few plays. But if you look at just uh, the Johnson brothers, if you will, uh, 22 carries for 41 yards, less than a two-yard average. I thought this was as stout of a front as we've seen, all, you know, not even just this year, in a long time from Green Bay. I thought the group of Lowry and Clark and uh, Kingsley Kiki inside played well. Again, I think the, the tandem of whoever it was, whether it was Kamal Martin uh, or you, we even saw a little bit of Ty Summers, but specifically Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes, I thought played really good at inside linebacker. And I thought you saw defensive backs come flying down into the box as well. Either way, this to me was the best run defense effort of the, of the season and, and really that we've seen in a while so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's kind of a, a pleasant surprise, I think, especially after it, last year just left such a bad taste in our mouths. But we, we really have improved over the course of this year. Um, you know, we – I guess the Texans, you know, they haven't had – I think they've had maybe two games, right, where their running backs have had over 100 yards. So, again, like, I think not the best comparison, but it is, like, I think a theme here, right, where we beat up on a team and we, we stopped a team that we should be able to stop. And that's what, you know, deep playoff push Super Bowl contenders do is they beat up on on bad teams. Um, I think every time I see David Johnson do anything, I just think about what a dumb trade that was and they could have <laughs> had – DeAndre Hopkins. It's just it's so hard to make any kind of comparison there. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the announcers too were were talking very very highly of our defensive front, which um, was appreciated, even though it sounded a little bit like they were rooting for the Texans at one point. Um, but it's been really nice to see them improve upon something that wasn't their strong suit, and and their their tackling and just everything was was a lot um, was a lot cleaner today. I, I hope it's something that they can continue. Obviously, we're going to go up against guys like Derrick Henry later this season, who we're going to have to play play like this, but even, you know, times 100. Um, so I hope it's a trend in that direction. Uh, let's quickly go over some special teams. I think for the most part it was a fairly nondescript game for the special teams, and, and for most days I'll take that. But you did have the two big plays, the block punt and then the onside kick. I think the, the block punt ultimately came down to you called up a probably fairly bad running back in Dexter Williams. That's his time in Green Bay is probably not for long. Uh, he gets in to, to basically protect on that punt play, does a horrible job of it, and gets the punt blocked. The, the next punt, they had Jamal Williams in there instead of Dexter Williams, and everything was fine. It wasn't like a scheme breakdown or anything like that. It was legitimately just your sixth running back gets beat on a punt, you know, uh, blocking for a, uh, a J.K. Scott punt. And the onside kick, I mean, it was executed well. Shannon Sullivan should have probably came up with it. He didn't. 
I don't see anything that I'm concerned over long term, but you, this is not a special team that generally is going to help Green Bay too often. You really don't want to see them hurt themselves. Today they hurt themselves in a couple ways. Dusty, any concerns that you have with the special teams? Not really. Like you said, the block punt was block punt seemed not necessarily fluky, but like you said, it was if if that's someone other than Dexter Williams over on the edge there, we're not talking about it. And then the onside kick was yeah, like you said, maybe that probably should have been recovered. It was good execution, and also the game was far enough out of hand that I barely bat an eye at that one. So I don't. <laughs> it's Green Bay special teams, right? So I should be, <laughs> I should be concerned, uh, but I'm not. I mean. I will say J.K. Scott had a really tremendous game. After last week, kind of not a good game, uh, this was his tied for his third highest yards per punt of his career. Um, really good game out of him. But, yeah, no no, con- no long-term concerns, I don't think, for me. Perry? No, no. I, yeah, I think these are flukes. And I think even the onside kick, I thought it was just like a questionable decision. Like, even if they had scored, we were up high enough. I didn't think it was going to be, you know, I don't know, beneficial to the Texans, and then we ended up coming up with a stop on defense anyway. So um, I think if it had gone maybe differently, we'd be talking about the onside kick in a different way, but no, no concerns. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think Crosby's been great. I think J.K. Scott's having his best season so far. I think when Tyler Irvin comes back, you'll see the return game become a little bit more dynamic. I know it hasn't been the super sexy and flashy special teams for Green Bay, which it never really is, but play of the special teams and nothing too crazy even though today was maybe a little bit of a blip in the radar but I think going forward they'll be just fine I think we would probably all agree that Devontae Adams was the player of the game today maybe I'm speaking for both of you but uh, I'm just going to label him the player of the game but let's go quickly over your players of the game that are not named Devontae Adams Perry I'll start with you oh Jair Alexander it was like Will Fuller didn't exist he was a (laughs) non-factor he had I think he was targeted I don't know once he didn't have a catch when Jair was on him. He did have that touchdown. That was him, right, at the touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, But, like, that wasn't on Jair. He's just – he's so – he he's so locked down. He he's like we've been joking, you know, Jair Island, but but truly he just completely takes – wide receivers out of the game. Um, and it's it's not something after watching some of our secondaries over the past few years that I take for granted. Um, and I think that he's easily one of the best corners in the league. And again, that's just, that's so rare. Um, that it, That's a player that you want to hold on to. And he's just having such a phenomenal year. Dusty? I'll go Raven Green. Uh, I talked about him earlier, and I think maybe his play for me is a little more indicative of of maybe some of the more aggressiveness that we saw to the defense this week. But uh, just seeing him out there, I mean, he's been one of those guys that kind of dream on, and and you hope he turns into something. You you had all the tools, and you hope he kind of fits into there. I think seeing him out there flying around making plays – was tremendous. I mean, you could I could have given this to a bunch of different guys on defense and a handful of guys on offense, but I think just the aggressiveness and the way the guys were kind of flying around and rallying to the ball today, to me, uh, when I think of that uh, from this past week, that's it's Raven Green uh, kind of encapsulates that. So I'll go uh, I'll go Raven Green. Yeah, I'm, if I had to break the tie between you two, I'd probably say I'd go with Jair. But to to your point, Dusty, I was going back and forth on a lot of these players. I thought a lot of people had good games outside of Devontae, and you could always throw Aaron Rodgers in, in his day in too, but mm-hmm. um, and I think Jair is very fair to point out. Raven was the one who stood out to me on tape, and then I just think there's a lot of other guys who had solid games. I think Billy Turner is worth mentioning here for his ability to step in and play solid football at left tackle and fill in for David Bakhtiari. I think Preston Smith, who we talked about earlier, again, Raven Green's a great call uh, at that kind of safety linebacker hybrid. So uh, I'll go Preston Smith because – uh, I love when players, you know, bounce back. And, you know, if, I, if I'm going to be hard on players when they're playing poorly, I really like to point them out when they're playing well. And uh, I really thought that Preston Smith played well today. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him as my, as my player of the game, not named Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. All right, how about play of the game? I think this is a really interesting one. I'll start on this one. My play of the game was the, the third down conversion early in the game. I think it was the second drive from Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers to Devontae. Devontae Adams, which was just a disgusting play. And I think that's one of those plays where it just really stings if you're a defense, and it just makes it feel like it's going to be one of those games if you're the Houston Texans where you do almost everything right on that play. You scheme open a free rusher on Aaron Rodgers. You cover Devontae Adams nearly perfectly, 
and it doesn't matter. And Aaron Rodgers just puts it in a position where only Devontae Adams can catch it. Devontae, Devontae throws up late hands, comes down with a catch, converts on a big third down. They go down and score a touchdown. It's 14 to nothing. And if not, if they don't convert on that play, it's 7 nothing. They're punting over to the Texans, and, and who knows what happens from there. But I just thought that very early in the game, that was a – uh, a statement play in, in one of those plays that just says this is how it's going to be the rest of the game. Deal with it. And Devontae and, and Rogers really, uh, to to their credit, were really that way almost for the entire rest of the game as well. So that was the play for me, Dusty. What about you? I have a couple different ways I could go. I was going to go with another Devontae one, but I'm going to go with uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier the kind of the sequence in the third quarter there. So you mentioned the Amos sack. The Amos sack was on third and three. The Packers at the time were up uh, 28-7. So this was and this was at third and three at the eight. It forces a field goal, 28-10. The very next drive, as I mentioned earlier, then is a three and out. I think the Packers had three straight three and outs. J.K. Scott block. So Texans in great field position. They stop him again, 28-13. So I mean that easily could have been 28-21 uh, if if the Texans score there. And that I know the uh, the Vernon Scott holding on for dear life. Uh, there was there was a couple guys back there, but I still think there's a chance he gets into the end zone anyway. So I mean th- that sequence there, I think just just absolutely changed the game. You're you're holding them to field goals in the red zone instead of them scoring touchdowns. That was just a game changing. I mean, and we've seen out of this Packers team, you know, a handful of times they get out to a big lead and then they just they let the lead slip away a little bit, and that was a perfect opportunity to let the lead slip away, and they just they put the clamps down. So the, that, that sequence of those two third downs on back-to-back drives uh, just, just helped seal the game, I think. Love it. Perry? Andy, you stole mine. I remember watching that Perfect. and just thought, oh, this is this is what this game is going to be. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what this game is going to be. Um, I'm going to go with the Henry Black forced fumble, Adrian Amos fumble recovery um, for a few reasons. One, I, I love when guys get called up and actually, you know, take seize the moment in that way, um, which is what Henry Black did, right? Like, he just was like, look, enough with the antics, enough with the onside kicks. We're ending this game right here, right now. Give me the ball. Adrian Amos comes up with it. It's it's game over. Um, and they just they just really kind of said, no, no more. We're done here and, and put it away. Um, and I love that. And, and I think that that's what you have to do when, when you get your moment is to make plays like that and, you know, to get noticed. And maybe now we'll see a little bit more Henry Black in, in limited fashion. Um, so I appreciated that. I think my second one, just real quick, would be probably Malik, Malik Malik's uh, um, touchdown, because that's so exciting. And then you see Rodgers pick him up at the end. And mm-hmm. I'm so proud of him. And um, just I, I can't imagine what that feeling must be like to, to have your first NFL touchdown um, in a game and you're catching a pass from Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's best feeling. Yeah, can't wait to experience that myself. It's going to be amazing when it happens. <laughs> uh, let's go over some injuries really quick. Uh, Chris Barnes leaves with a shoulder. I don't believe he returned. Uh, maybe either of you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, I also saw Jay Sternberger kind of limp off a little bit late in the game. I don't think he returned either, but there was never an injury announcement, so hopefully he's fine. And then Raven Green left with an oblique. I don't believe he returned either. Um, can any of you correct me? Did either of you see any of those guys return, or is there anyone that I'm missing from an injury standpoint? I don't know that I saw it either. I wasn't paying close enough attention, but I don't know that I saw any of those guys return. Me too. Yeah, when I rewatched it, I didn't, I didn't see anyone. So I think those will be the, kind of the three players to kind of keep an eye on from an injury report this week. Again, Chris Barnes, uh, Jay Sternberger, and Raven Green. Uh, not that Green Bay doesn't have enough players on the injury report already, mm-hmm. but hopefully some of those guys can start making, you know, making their way back uh, sooner rather than later. Maybe this week against Minnesota, and I think that's a perfect time uh, to look ahead to Minnesota. Uh, a big game coming up. I know the Vikings haven't been great, but you know they're not going to want to lose two to Green Bay. Uh, they did just trade away Yannick Ngakwe. You know. Prior to their bye week, they will be coming off of a bye. They've been really bad uh, this season, to say the least. We'll see if Dalvin Cook is is ready to come back from injury. He's such an important player on their offense. Their defense is ridiculously beat up. It it feels like this is a game that Green Bay should win. They're an eight-point favorites. But, uh, Perry, I'll start with you. What are you looking most forward to for this uh, Packers-Vikings game as we, we start looking ahead here? I wow. Well, they're missing, right? They're like they they got rid of Ngakwe and they're they're missing Danelle Hunter. So um, should be a clean game again from Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Jair go up against Justin Jefferson. I'm gonna assume that's what the matchup is gonna be because obviously the Justin Jefferson we're getting this coming weekend is very different from Week One. He's having a phenomenal. 
uh, season since then, basically. So it'll be kind of cool to see if Jair can lock him down again. Say, hey, Rook, nah, like put you put you in your place. Um, but I, I think going going two and zero again against the Vikings just puts um, Matt Lafleur like back in that sort of higher caliber. Um, that he deserves to be in from a play caller standpoint. And any win you get within division, even if it's at a, a very beaten down, broken down Vikings, is important. Um, so, yeah, just looking looking forward to another 42-point blowout, I guess. Love it. Dusty, what about you? Yeah, I mean, Perry mentioned it with the trade of Ngonkwe, that, that they're I mean, they're in full-on tank mode, but it is still Zimmer. And they're still coming off a bye. So, I mean, they're going to come up with something. But <laughs> this is what I said the, when they played him earlier. It was like, I don't know, man. It's still Zimmer. They might not have the horses, but he can scheme stuff. But you can scheme stuff, you know, if the horses, like, you can't do anything. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think that you can still squint. You can see, okay, well, if Cook is back and if the run defense isn't quite as good as it looked this week uh, and they're able to get the running game going a little bit. I mean, the Vikings did have a little bit of luck on there on the ground the last time they met. And if Jefferson breaks out a little and Cousins has a bounce back game like you can squint but a whole lot of things have to go right I think for the Vikings to win and and the Packers just got punched in the mouth like two weeks ago so or two weeks prior to this so I think they're going to come out they're not taking anything for granted and, and hopefully just just look to to humiliate a division rival again which should be fun yeah it really would be and it, it would in a way it would feel like that kind of, you know final stake in, in the Vikings season not that they're necessarily going to do anything uh, going forward, and they're kind of already waving the white flag a little bit when they traded Ngakwe away, but it just feel it feels like it would be coming off a bye week that maybe they would you know try to make one last rally for it, and this would be the the final stake in the Viking season. Which again, if if you're the Packers, you would love to be able to deliver kind of that final blow. It, they are a team that if if healthy and, and Dalvin Cook's in there with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, if you're not careful and if if you know you allow Kirk Cousins to get in a little bit of a rhythm, they always have the ability to be a little bit dangerous, but if you just kind of take care of business and let Kirk Cousins ultimately be Kirk Cousins, they're so beat up on defense, they don't have a great offensive line, it's a game that at home you should be able to take advantage of and take care of, and uh, I think Green Bay wins this easily, they're eight-point favorites right now. All right, guys, this was freaking awesome. I love talking to both of you. Before we get out of here, any final thoughts either from uh, today's game, moving forward to Minnesota, anything that happened in the NFL, uh, anything that you want to talk about, period. Dusty, how about you first? So my final thought, and this is um, this is something I was upset at the time, and I watched the game by myself, saw it with my children, so no one around me understood. But the, it was the the challenge of the red after the Redmond penalty. So there was the there was the incomplete pass, right? That was clearly incomplete, but it was ruled complete. And then there was the Redmond penalty, which whatever. There's 12 minutes left in the third quarter at this point. Now, this was the first challenge of the game. You know the ball's incomplete. You know the ball's incomplete, but it's a seven yard pass. And you also know that that penalty sticks because that's how these things work. And there's a challenge anyway. I, I hated that challenge. You got I mean, it didn't end up biting them at all. But 12 minutes left in the third. There's a ton of the game left. You don't know. And if you get the next one wrong, you're out of challenges. You have no idea what's going to happen in the game or anything like that. What you do know is that you essentially challenged. You threw a challenge flag for seven yards when the team is still going to pick up 15 yards in a first anyway. You're not holding them a third and long. You're not even pushing them a second along. They're still first and 10, and they've moved forward 15 yards. So it's kind of one of those, like, yeah, they were right for the challenge. That play was incorrect, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that you should challenge that play. So that was – I'm glad it didn't come back to bite them. They didn't even have another challenge on the game. But those kinds of things, here, it's always like the, the weighing of – how important is this play versus what could potentially come down the road? And to me, basically knocking seven yards off what is a 15-yard gain in the first down as opposed to a 22-yard gain in the first down. Ultimately, that's nothing at that stage in the game. So that's, uh, I don't know, just just my little rant of, of, uh, <laughs> uh, that I, it's kind of a pet peeve when you're kind of challenging plays there. So that's that's my final thought, I guess. It's interesting that you bring that up, and I love that you're thinking that way because I've, the, the entire time while that, that penalty was taking place, I'm going through in my head and thinking, all right, would I challenge here or not? And I ultimately came up with that, I, and I'm usually with you here, Dusty, I think I would have challenged it. And the, my reasoning was this. I, I thought it was eight yards, but maybe you're right with seven. But it looked like they got down to the like the 22-yard line, and this pushed them back to the 30. And I felt like the, the difference – being either the 22-yard line or the 30, where you're like in easy field goal range at that point, between you know pushing them back if maybe you hold them three and out. Maybe it's a little bit of a longer field goal. I also just feel like th- there is a difference when you're, again, I know it's only eight yards, but like being basically in the red zone, 
you know, at or beyond the 30-yard line feels a little bit different to me. I also felt like with 12 minutes remaining in the third, this was your first challenge. You still have one left, and you have the under two minutes, everything's challenged. Touchdowns are challenged. Um, Turnovers are are reviewed automatically. Like, I just felt like the odds that there were going to be, what, you know, two more plays that even assuming that you got the next one wrong, that were going to be, like, that massively challengeable. It, It was just such an obvious incompletion where, like, you knew a million percent you were going to get it right. If there was any question at all that this was, like, an incomplete pass or not, to me, then I'm like, no, don't even, it's not worth it. But the fact that it was a a very obvious incompletion and you gain eight yards of of field position, I don't know. I could go either way. And, again, I just love the fact that your mind's thinking of the exact same thing in that moment. Um, And and I could have gone either way, and I certainly would not have been upset. I I can guarantee you a lot of people would have been upset if he didn't challenge it because they would have been like, oh, it was obvious. Why would you not challenge it? It was an obvious incompletion. I do think that the strategy there is really, really interesting, and it brings up a, a fun conversation. Um, but it, it, I guess in the, in the moment, I would have leaned towards challenging it. But um, either way, I think it's just a really fun conversation. For sure. Perry, what was – any final thoughts for you? Um. I didn't After think that nerdy <laughs> I mean, I thought more oh, of just like on the principle of it, like he should throw the chip. I'm like, yeah, that was a wrong call. It was a bad call. Like it's incomplete. You go, Malfour. Um, anyway, obviously I'm not looking at the game the same as you guys. Um, yeah, I just I feel like this was a game that, you know, going into the season when you looked at the first six weeks, you know, we would have been happy going in three and three, you know, and, and, you know, dropping maybe a few to the Saints, the Bucks, potentially the Texans, depending on how they looked, or Vikings, you know, it, 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 and then we're five and one, and it just feels, it feels good. We have a good record on the road. Um, a lot of the, the rest of the season is at home, um, you know, and, and Lambeau Field, even without fans, has a serious advantage for the Packers when it gets cold out. So um, I'm just feeling really good about, the rest of the season, um, I think that putting away the Bucks game and moving forward in the, in the way that they did tonight is, or today rather, is is good momentum for the rest of the season. And um, you know, there's only a handful of games left that that are super worrisome. So I think the Packers have just put them in a really good, put themselves in a really good position for the rest of the season. Yeah, it was kind of a similar thought with the, you know, just kind of the position that they're in. Having played four road games already in their first six games, they go three and one on the road. They've only got four road games left the remainder of the season. Uh, six of the last ten uh, will be at Lambeau Field, and and kind of maybe more importantly too, this is their only back-to-back road games of the entire season. They go one and one, split with Tampa Bay. Um, and obviously the game today against Houston. But uh, the fact that they don't have back-to-back road games for the rest of the season and only have four road games left, uh, I know they burnt up their bye, but the fact that they're not going to travel a ton, a lot of those road games are are kind of within the the division with uh, very short uh, travel, and and I just think this sets up really well. Hopefully Green Bay can get that one seed and get that bye in the first week of the playoffs and and obviously have home field advantage throughout uh, because I do feel like having the early bye uh, could really hurt them if they are trying to make a push in the playoffs and, and don't get that by. But uh, we'll see what happens, and uh, just very excited about where Green Bay's at. I, I think any of us would have taken 5-1 and one through six games of the season uh, without question. So it's been exciting. I think they've played five fantastic, you know, fantastic's probably strong, but five really good football games. Had one quote-unquote stinker uh, via Aaron Rodgers is what he called it. So uh, I think you'll take that through six games. I think they've learned plenty from that Tampa Bay game, and I think they can take away a lot of confidence from the way that they played in the other five games. Uh, as I mentioned, guys, this was freaking awesome. I love talking to both of you. Thanks so much for joining uh, me today on this edition of the podcast. And, and uh, Dusty, thanks for filling in for Alex Strauff. Uh, I appreciate that greatly as well. Uh, Dusty, do you want to pl- uh, plug your book one last time and where people can order it and what, uh, what the title is? Sure. It's called Goodnight Monsters. If you search on Amazon, uh, you can search my name, which is kind of cool. You can search Dusty Evely or Goodnight Monsters. I think it shows up. Uh, and yeah, you can you can order it there. It's, uh, what, seven-ish bucks, I guess. Uh, but yeah, just fun little fun little monster picture book. I promise, uh, you know, it's around Halloween, so I want to try to get it out for Halloween, but uh, I promise it's not scary. If, if you are, if you get scared <laughs> easily or your children get scared, uh, my, uh, my daughter is five, and she can be a big old scaredy cat, and she... She loves the pictures. Uh, the illustrator did a fantastic job. So she's been drawing um, pictures of, of Mothman and Dracula and stuff all weekend. So that's been <laughs> so it's been pretty awesome. So yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, Good night, monsters. And Perry, where can we find your poem on Twitter? 
You can follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein. I can't promise that there are more poems to come, but I also can't not not promise that there are more poems to come. So follow me there for the surprise. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Make sure to check out YouTube as well, where I'm doing a new uh, podcast 365 days a year, and Dusty's throwing up awesome film work as well. But that does it for us today. Until tomorrow and until next time, and as always, go Pack Go! class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.